I've been an Eric Clapton fan from teenage years, like many of you, if you're baby boomers. Um, I go back to Cream and the Yardbirds and solo career. <laughs> and, you know, he's just a quintessential guitarist. But when he wrote Tears in Heaven, I think we all knew, those of us who'd followed his career, when he wrote Tears in Heaven, we knew that it was a different kind of song. When he lost Connor, I mean, imagine your four-and-a-half-year-old son, Eric had spent the day with him at the circus and, and dropped him off. And to, to lose your four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old son, to walk out a 53rd-story window and, and plunge to his death, it, it would be the kind of thing that would just stop your life, no matter how much money you have or success or women or whatever else that Eric Clapton had in those days. It stopped everything. And that song has got to be one of the most poignant, honest pieces of music that anybody's ever written in the secular world. What I find interesting, and I've always found interesting about Tears in Heaven, is the, the fact that Eric had questions about heaven. I mean, think about what he asked. Would I know your name if I saw you in heaven? Would, you, would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? Would you hold my hand if I saw you in heaven? A lot of questions he reveals that he, he doesn't really know much about heaven, and he's a lot like the average person that you run into. As a pastor and a minister, I spend a lot of time with people when they're grieving the loss of a loved one. And one of the things that troubles me sometimes is I hear people just sort of in a haze talking about what they think happens next. People talk about their loved ones becoming angels. Well, that isn't true. And I hear people thinking things like, well, maybe they're going to come back in another form or something. And Eric Clapton has questions about heaven that are similar, I think, to the ones that many of us have. I just, I like the fact, though, that he asked them straight out, would it be the same? Would our relationship be the same? Would I be your dad and would you be my son? And would you, would you know me? Would I know you? Would you hold my hand? Could we, be, could we be together again? He asked questions about heaven. And then he comes to the one thing that he knows for sure. And I think it's the thing that makes the song so painful for us. Because looking back on his life, I'm sure, he says, I know I don't belong here in heaven. For a few moments, I'd like to talk to you about Eric's questions. I'd like to talk with you about the one thing that he, he seems to know. Because I want, us to be, I want us to be sure about what happens the moment you die. You know, there are... There are people who have had what we call near-death experiences, and they're, they're so common today that now we know them by initials. We call them NDEs. There are books written about near-death experiences. And there are a lot of things that people claim to have experienced, but I was reading a summary in Wikipedia uh, yesterday. I, I just downloaded this, this summary, and there, there are several things that seem to be pretty universal about near-death experiences. There's the sudden awareness that one has had a fatal accident and not survived, perhaps. There's an out-of-the-body experience, a sensation of floating above one's body and seeing the surrounding area. Pleasant feelings, calmness, a sense of overwhelming love and peace. A sensation of moving upwards through a tunnel or narrow passageway. There are those who talk about meeting deceased relatives or, or spiritual figures. Some have talked about encountering a being of light or, or a light, possibly a, a religious figure, a divine figure. Some have talked about a, a divine review or a life review. And then there are some who have said they, they've had a feeling of being returned to the body, often accompanied by a reluctance to return. 
I've read a lot of these stories, and, and I think there probably is something to it. I don't know what there is to it, because as we all know, drawing the bottom line, none of these people actually died at that time. But at the same time, the Bible does tell us some very clear things about what we're going to experience when we die. And, and I do think there are people who have had true near-death experiences, and perhaps they've been able to just tiptoe up to the line and look over the edge. The reason why I feel that there's pretty, pretty sure, pretty sure uh, uh, evidence of this is that there was a man in the Bible who had a near-death experience. His name was Paul. We, we think, many of us who study the Bible, believe that Paul perhaps had this near-death experience because at one point he was being stoned. They were throwing rocks at him, trying to kill him, and they, they left him for dead. And, and some of us think that that is when Paul had this near-death experience. And here's what he said. He said, I, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So there was a guy in the Bible who had an NDE, a near-death experience. And some believe that that is the reason why he was never the same after that. Because in the first chapter of the book he wrote, or the letter he wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, I'd really rather go on. I, he said, it's better for me to stay here with you because I've got work to do, but if it's all up to me, I would really rather die and go to be with God. So with all that in mind this morning, I'd like to ask you the question, what's it like to die? It's important because we're all going to die someday. I mean, what's it like to die? And it's very important for us to know. I mean, our series is called Glimpse because we want to look beyond what we can see. God knows what lies behind the curtain, and he can tell us. And God doesn't tell us everything, but he does open it up a little bit and let us know. Very important to me because when I talk to people about what happens after life, most people get into the speculative mode. It's like they shift gears, and, you know, they can be very sure about what they do for a living. They can be sure, very sure about their education. They can be very sure about their finances. But you ask them the most important question of life, what happens the moment you die? And they'll just kind of zone out on you and start, you know, giving you all these spacey ideas. And, and I think that perhaps it's because maybe in church, maybe, you know, the pastor kind of got into this poetic thing and, and just didn't give people firm footing, you know, just straight out answers for what happens the moment you die. I don't want to make that mistake this morning. I want to just shoot real straight with you from the Bible to talk to you about what happens the moment that you die. Well, are you ready for the first thing? What happens the moment that you die? If you are a Christ follower, you'll never know. That's number one. You will never know that you died. You will never know that you stopped living. Let me read several scriptures to you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, And we are not afraid... But are quite content to die, for then we will be at home with the Lord. In fact, one translation says we are absent from the body, and we are present with the Lord. Right now, you are absent from the Lord physically, but you are present in your body. Right out of the box, we are told something that this world does not seem to know, and that is this, that you and I are more than our bodies. We tend to associate ourselves with our bodies. For instance, if, if someone is ill, that person may say, I have cancer. But the reality is, if you're here today and you're struggling with cancer, your body has cancer. You don't have cancer. The real you, the real person who lives inside your body, 
does not have cancer. You are more than your body. Right now, you are present in your body, but you have a never-dying soul, a spirit, that part of you that is cognitive, alert, and alive, and aware. That part of you someday will be absent from the body and move to be present with the Lord. One of the issues that we have in our culture is that science tries to answer everything. And we, we, do, we deal with this when it comes to creation, because there's the idea, well, this is science, this is religion. As I talk to you about in Truth 101, let me tell you, when it comes down to, to you and me and how we live our lives, what matters is truth. Whether truth is religious, whether truth is scientific, whether truth is musical, whether truth is business or finance, what matters is truth. You can't compartmentalize truth and say, this is science and this is religion. Fact of the matter, and I hope, you know, if you're a scientist today, I'm not against you, I'm for you, I really appreciate what you do, but can I tell you this? Sometimes when it comes to matters of life and death and what, things like what happens at the moment you die, I'm not all that impressed with science. Because we're not even too good at figuring, figuring out what God has made, much less why he made it and how he made it and what's going to happen next. I mean, there's a point at which you have to say, I'm just going to have to back off and listen to God. Because we know we have a very sophisticated organ in our body called the brain. But how it works and the energy and how God gives us thoughts and, and awareness and all that, not even science knows that, but God knows. You and I have a never-dying soul and a part of the part of us that has personality and recognition and, and, and will and desire and emotion, that part of you is never going to die. And Paul said, we're not afraid because we know we're going to be absent from this body and then be at home with the Lord. In John chapter 11, verse 26, Jesus has come to visit a couple of sisters who have lost their brother. Their brother Lazarus died. They put him in a grave. And they had tried to get Jesus to come in time to raise, you know, raise him up from his sick bed. But when, when, when he died, they thought, that's it. Jesus can't do anything. It's when Jesus came to them, he made this statement in John 11, verse 26. Look at this. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. That means that the part of you that's aware will never fade to black. You know, I've, I've been at the bedside with many people who've died. And I watch what happens physically. And even, you know, I, I see the, the monitors and all those things that are connected to the body. And I watch it, you know, as the vitals drop and all that. But the truth of the matter is, the part of you that's alert and awake will never, ever die. You're never going to fade to black. That's the reason why I believe people who have had near-death experiences talk about seeing a bright light and a tunnel and moving toward that bright light. Because the Bible says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. When Jesus was on the cross, you remember he was accompanied, he was, there were two thieves, each were crucified on either side of him, and both at first insulted the Lord, but after a while, one of the thieves realized his need for Jesus. Now imagine this, he's dying, he's hanging on a cross, and he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. What did Jesus say to him? Luke 23, 43, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say, today they're going to bury us. He said, today, you, you're going to, have the same per you're going to be the same person. I'm going to be the same person. Jesus said, you are going to be with me today. So I just want to tell you right now, when you, if you want to know what happens the moment you die, you're never going to know that you die. Because Jesus said, if you live and believe in him, you will never die. Now, we'll, you know, we'll have your funeral here. 
if, if death comes before, Jesus comes back. I'm going to talk about that next week. But, it, you know, we'll have your funeral here. We'll have the casket. We'll have the flowers. And we'll have the music. And we'll have an obituary. And there'll be someone who will bring a message. And, and your, your, you know, your picture will be in the paper. And they'll say you died. But the truth of the matter is, while the people on earth are having your funeral, you're going to be in better shape than they are. And I like that, don't you? Isn't that awesome? I mean, you give him glory for that. Because you never know, you're never going to know. What's it going to be like to die? You'll never fade to black. Okay. Before I give you number two, I want to read this verse from the Amplified. The guy we talked about a few moments ago, Paul, knew he was close to dying. He knew he was very close to the end of his life. So he was writing back, and probably the last words that he would write that we would have recorded, here's what he said. I am about ready, I'm ready about to be sacrificed. My life is to be poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my spirit's release from the body is at hand. And I will soon go free. Second thing you need to know about the moment you die is it is total freedom. The longer you live in this world, the more cords there are that bind you here. For one thing, we get bound to a body. The longer you live, you know, I'm talking to some of you who are teens this morning or you're young adults and you're thinking, wow, I feel great and I feel good. But let me just tell you, time, time, can, time can change all that. I mean, you're going to creak and groan and disease is going to come. And after a while, and I've watched this, and, and, and I'm not joking at all now. One of the things I, I've watched is I've watched people get trapped in a body. You know, I, I would pray that that wouldn't happen to any of us. Because I, I would really rather go home to be with the Lord than to be trapped in a body. But sometimes it's the will of God. God has a purpose in it. And people do get trapped in a body. And someday that will happen for every one of us. But it isn't just that. There are just encumbrances in this life. This is a painful life. This world is broken in the box. And you give your best and you try your best. And then sometimes things go wrong and you can't figure out why things happen. And it's just a broken world. I mean, here is Paul. Here is a guy that has spent 39 years trying to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, that God can save and forgive anybody. And what's happened? They've put him in a cold prison cell. I mean, for preaching the truth, here he is. For 13 of those 39 years that he's preached, he sat in a jail cell. But Paul said, it's just about my time. I was in an airport this week. Morales and I were flying back, and you know how it is. You look up on the, you look up on the, on the, monitor up there in the airport and say there's my flight it's getting close you know do i have time to go get a coke or something and that's how paul is he's looking up at the monitor and he's saying time for my flight's coming oh i don't want you to think that death is the end if you go to the doctor the doctor tells you you have a terminal disease listen you just think about that word terminal like an airplane terminal if god if god if god heals you glory praise god but if the time for your flight gets close, you just say, hey, <laughs> the time for my flight is coming soon, and I'm, I'm going to be free. I'm gonna, look at, let me, i got to read this one more time. I just love this when I read it. Paul said, the time of my spirit's release from the body is at hand, and I will soon go free. How many of you have said goodbye to a mother, wife, husband, child? How many of you have said goodbye to a friend, and you've grieved because you said my friend died? Listen, grieve for ourselves. Because we're separated for a while, but don't grieve for them, because they have gone free. 
and they've, gone, they've taken that flight. So what's it like to die? Number one, you'll never know. Number two, it's total freedom. Let me read this one, Psalm 17, 15. David wrote, as for me, I will continue beholding your face in righteousness, righteous justice and right standing with you. I shall be fully satisfied when I awake to find myself beholding your form and having sweet communion with you. Listen, here's how David looked at death. He looked at it as the ultimate introduction. Because when he died, he knew this. He was going to open his eyes in heaven. And the first face he saw would be the face of Jesus. I've been very blessed. I've only had surgery one time in my life where I had to be, you know, put under. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember when I was, you know, they, they had me count backwards and all that. And you just go to sleep. And I woke up in recovery, and they had allowed Mary Alice to come in recovery. And I'll never forget opening my eyes in recovery, and the first face I saw was Mary Alice. If you've ever woken up from anesthesia, you know that can be a very uncomfortable, you know, uncomfortable thing. It can be a, you know, for a moment you can, you can be sort of um, out of it. But I'll never forget what it was like to wake up that, from that and see Mary Alice's face. David says this, that when you open your eyes in heaven, that the face that will be standing over you is Jesus. He said, I'm going to be, he said, that'll be enough for me. <laughs> I, I just love these verses. Can I read it one more time? He said, as for me, I'll continue beholding your face in righteousness. I shall be fully satisfied when I awake to find myself beholding your form and having sweet communion with you. Number four, what's it like to die? First John 3, 2. Beloved, we are, even here and now, God's children. It is not yet disclosed, made clear what we shall be hereafter. But we know that when he comes and is manifesting, we shall, as God's children, look at this, resemble and be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. What's it like to die? It is loving what you have become. John said, when, a lot of this we don't know. This is why we've called this series Glimpse, because you're just getting a little look. There's no way in the world that you can know what heaven is like. If God pulled back the curtain and showed you heaven today, it would just blow all your circuits, and you and I wouldn't be worth a nickel for the rest of our lives. Because we would be going around saying, Lord, let me die, Lord, let me die, Lord, let me die. <laughs> and God has work for us to do. So God, you know, it's just like you parents, like you wrap all the Christmas presents, you know, leading up to Christmas. God just sort of wraps this thing up, but every once in a while he drops a hint. And the Bible says we don't know everything. But we do know this. He's our daddy. And when we look at him, we're going to look like our daddy. We're, there, there's going to be a family resemblance. I love the idea of going to heaven because I'm going to love what I become. As a follower of Jesus, just heart to heart, I don't always like what I am. Sometimes, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about this in our, in our New Year's series, in a series called Free to Be Me. Sometimes it's like two people living in the same house, isn't it? I mean, are, are, is that how you are? I mean, in your body? Isn't it amazing how there can be two people there? And you can think things and say things and feel things that you think, how could I be like that? That's because we have a regenerated, a new person living in an old fleshly body. But someday, I'm going to see him 
and He's going to transform me totally, and I'm going to love what I become. I'm going to like looking in the mirror because I'm going to look like my Heavenly Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. So that means that there's a day coming when you're going to take off. I mean, death allows you to take off this old body. You wouldn't want to take it to heaven with you. But God's going to give you a brand new body to put on. Well, here's number five. I mean, not, don't, I, I could just be here all day. Couldn't we talk about this all day? But we have another service at 11, so I guess I better start winding this up. What's it like to die? Number five, it's living life the way it was meant to be lived. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Now, here's the thing that's a challenge for me. The only life I know is this life. I only know life on this side of heaven. If I'm not careful, I can begin to believe that God has made me for this life. When I start thinking that God has made me for this life, I get disillusioned. Because things don't always work for me in this life. Is that how you feel? I mean, maybe, you're, you know, maybe you just sort of float along and never have any problems, but I can't figure this life out sometimes. Because it's like when I try to serve the Lord and, and do right, and it's like things don't happen the way. I mean, I, I, you know, you watch these guys on television that tell you if you, if you, if you serve the Lord, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and never have any problems. And I'm just thinking, I either haven't found out what it means to serve the Lord yet, and none of the people that are around me that serve the Lord, have, none of us have found that out yet, or these guys must just be playing with me. And the fact of the matter is, this life doesn't work out very well for me. Sometimes good people have it bad and bad people have it good. Sometimes good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people. If you and I think we were made for this life, it will, it will mess our minds up. Because God, how could you allow this to happen to me? How could you allow this to happen to my kids? How could you allow this to happen to my wife? God, how could you allow this to happen to this godly mother or this godly dad? I was just preaching in a church in Florida this week, and a 35-year-old guy, just absolutely crucial to the ministry of this great church where I was preaching, was in a car accident and was taken away even while we were there in Florida. And, and it just, you know, it's one of those things where you look at it and say, you know, how could this happen? This man le left a wife and children and people that counted on him. But I want you to hear the verse one more time. The Bible says, now it is God. And this is all talking about this new body and this new life that we're going to have in heaven. It is God who made us for this very purpose. When you and I cross over into heaven, we are finally going to live life the way God intended for us to live it. This life is broken. God intends for us to do something in this life. Well, let's just talk about that for a few moments. How do we sort this all out? That's what I struggle with. How do we sort this out? Because we know that God is with us in this life. You just heard the awesome psalm, Psalm 23. And by the way, <laughs> I got to tell you what, I, I love the worship ministries of great churches all over the country. I get to be in some of the greatest, but I, I just want to tell you, there is nothing like being in a worship service at Messiah. I mean, this morning, I, I'm telling you, the, the joy I have is knowing I get to ride the bus twice. That was awesome. David wrote in Psalm 23, he said, I'm going to, goodness and mercy are going to chase me down all the days of my life, and then I'm going to live in your house. That, what he was saying is, in this life, I know your goodness and mercy is there, but this is not, 
life the way it was meant to be lived. When I, when I live out this life, then I'm going to move. And I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. So how do we live our lives? Well, I, I've got a lengthy section of text that I want to read to you because I've got to show you something. I've got to show you how it all fits together. So I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's in this great chapter that Paul was writing to the church at Corinth because they're all confused about this. They don't know what happens the moment you die, and they want to know. They're like Eric Clapton, you know, would I know your name? Would it be the same? Would you hold my hand? And I don't know what's going to happen when I go to heaven. And Paul is writing to them what God wants him to say. And here's what he says, and this is in chapter 5, verse 4 of 2 Corinthians. For while we are still in this tent, now tent there is a body, our temporary body. We groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighed down, depressed, oppressed. And Paul is saying that's what life in this life can be like. And how many of us can testify to that? Weighed down, depressed, oppressed. Now, does that mean that's how you live this life? I mean, while you're here, I mean, God just wants you to be weighed down, depressed, and, you know, life is tough, and life is blue, and life is miserable. Is that how God, does God say, I know that's what life is like, I'm going to give you a pass for feeling that way. Well, let's read on. He goes on to say, not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. Now he who has fashioned us, preparing and making us fit for this very thing, is God who has also given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Verse 6, so then we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. Now that impresses me because in verse 4 he says, while we're in this life, we groan under the burden, we sigh deeply, we're weighed down, we're depressed, we're oppressed. But in verse 6 he says, we're full of good, hopeful, and confident courage. What's the deal? Well, he says, we know that while we're at home in the body, we are abroad from the home with the Lord that has promised us because, look at verse 7, for because we walk by faith. Now let's just slow down here for a second. Paul has said this life is rough. It's, it gets us down. It depresses us. It oppresses us. It's burden, burdensome. But he said we don't live that way. While we're here, we live full of good confidence and good cheer. Why? Because we walk by faith. Look at this. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk not by sight or by appearance. What happens when I walk by sight or appearance? Back to verse 4. I'm filled with distress. I am depressed. I am down. But Paul said we don't live that way. We regulate our lives based on faith that we have in the Word of God. So that means if life isn't working out well for me today, I can say, you know what, that's just how life is, but I'm not going to get down about it. Because I wasn't meant to live this life. I'm going somewhere. The Word of God tells me to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. So even though things are not going well for me today, I'm going to be full of confidence. I'm going to be full of good courage. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to worship Him. Listen to verse 8. The Bible says, yes, we have confident, hopeful courage and are pleased, rather, to be away from home, out of the body, and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, verse 9, whether we are at home on earth, away from Him, or away from home and with Him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing Him. 
That's how to live your life right now. If you're going through tough times today, don't give up on God. Don't get down. Don't say, I wish I'd never been born. Don't say, why did I live? What's the purpose of my life? It is a depressing place at times. It's an oppressing place at times. And like Eric Clapton wrote, it can get you down. It can bring you to your knees and it can have you begging, please. But we don't live our lives that way. We regulate our lives. We, we, we say, I don't have to think that way because God has made me promises. There's one thing that Clapton said he did know. He said, I know I don't belong here in heaven. Well, I'm sure he's just being honest. I mean, you know, I'm sure he looked at his life, the, the things that he's done, the one-night stands, the drugs, the stuff that he's ashamed of. And he knew his son was going to heaven. He knew Connor would be there, but he said, I know I can't stay. I know I don't belong. In all the years that I've listened to Tears in Heaven, I've, every time I hear it, I always think I wish I could have 30 minutes to talk to Eric Clapton. Because if I could talk to Eric, here's what I'd tell him. I'd tell him that none of us belongs in heaven. I would tell him that it's right. He's right. He doesn't belong in heaven. I don't belong in heaven. The only person who belongs in heaven is Jesus. But the Bible tells you this. And here's what I'd love to tell Eric Clapton. I'd like to tell him about the song we sang this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I would like to tell him that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and gave up his blood, that that blood could wash all of his one-night stands away, that his blood could wash away all the drugs, that his blood could wash away all the failure, that his blood could wash away all the things that Eric has done that he's ashamed of, and that if he would put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he could look forward to seeing Connor again, and he would know his name, and they would be father and son, and they could walk together because Jesus could make him belong in heaven. And he can make you belong in heaven. In fact, if you've got anything else that you're counting on other than Jesus, it will not get you to heaven. Your good life, if you think you've lived a good life, will not get you into heaven because God requires you to be perfect. I haven't been perfect for 30 minutes, any 30 minutes of my life. Because I can't honestly say that I have done everything I'm supposed to do and didn't do things that I shouldn't have done. I mean, how could I be perfect? There's no church that gets you into heaven. Baptism won't take you there because water can't save. Joining a church can't take you to heaven. Only one thing can take you to heaven, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin.